You are listening to Defunct Games Presents Cyril Reads Blaster Master. Meet Jason. Recently, he lost his pet frog. Jason chased after Fred, you know, the frog, and discovered a creepy old swamp. Before long, he decided to jump down a huge hole because maybe, just maybe, that's where his frog went. That's right, he jumped down a huge hole. But it's a good thing he did, because he met an alien girl named Eve, who was on Earth collecting samples for her home planet. Unfortunately, Eve inadvertently brought an evil group of plutonium monsters with her. Thankfully, Jason and Eve have a special car, Sophia the Third. Will this odd couple be able to defeat the evil monsters and save the world? Find out on another exciting episode of Cyril Reed's Blaster Master. Chapter 12 Who, who are you? Jason called out into the void. Who do you think I am? The voice thundered. The ledge shook with the vibration. Jason and Eve clung to each other. The voice was different, deeper, more menacing. Jason couldn't help but tremble at the sound of it. But, but, I, I destroyed you! The laugh turned into a high-pitched shriek. Clods of mud and fungus dislodged from the cavern walls and began raining down on them. Electrical sparks zigzagged around the air like lightning. When the shrieks stopped, the voice bellowed angrily. You thought the pilfling pile of putrescent protoplasm was me? You thought that I, the plutonium boss, would let myself be outfought by a half-witted child? Well, I, I thought... Jason stammered. Silence! I'll do the thinking here. The defective tub of lard you defeated was merely a mutant underboss. Being the weakest one I owned, he guarded the first level. So save your bragging, you simpering slush brains. There are seven more deadly levels. Six more underbosses between me and you. Somehow, I don't think we shall ever have the pleasure of meeting. The voice let out a cackling roar, then faded away. Silence hung in the air. Then slowly, the distant cavern noises resumed. Robots clomping, wings batting, strange liquids dripping, electric noises humming. This is not going to be easy, Jason, Eve said. It was an understatement of the year. Jason knew he should be quaking with fright. He knew he should hop into Sophia the Third and beg Eve to just take him home. But something had changed Jason. Something about the way the plutonium boss had talked to him. Something about the sureness and cockiness, the idea that Jason could be treated like a speck of dust. No one treated Jason Frudnick like that, and no one called him a simpering slush brains either. Eve, he said, his jaw set firm. 
I will fight to the last breath for Fred for this planet. If the Plutonium boss is going to succeed, it won't be because I didn't try. Eve beamed. You, you're a real sandwich in a long roll, Jason. Hero, Jason said, too hyped up to laugh. Sorry, Eve said. You're a real sandwich in a long hero. Skip it, Jason replied. Let's go. He hopped into the passenger seat and Eve took her place behind the wheel. Eve propelled Sophia the Third from the ledge to ledge. They hopped into the paths of robots. They were attacked by swooping mechanical birds. They fell into the lagoon and fought jellyfish. Through it all, Eve guided the vehicle and Jason shot down enemies one by one. Within minutes, they were traveling down the tunnel to the bodiless Doraguard. Jason flexed his fingers, preparing for an onslaught. Eve gave his weapon panel a gentle tap. You'll be able to use this now, she said. The weapon should be powered up by now. But I didn't do anything, Jason said. I mean, I picked up the energy, but I, I haven't transferred it yet. Ah, but you did automatically, as soon as you stepped into Sophia the Third. You see, the vehicle's inner force field has been set to a constant flux between the occupant and the weapon reserve, sort of like a inductance coil. Um, right, Jason said. I think I understand you better when you're tripping over slang expressions. Never mind, Eve said. I recommend that you greet our big mouth friend over there with a multi-warhead missile. Jason set his finger over the correct control. This time, when they entered the chamber, Jason let the weapons fly. Foosh! 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 With each blast, three flaming projectiles shot out of Sophia the Third. They flew directly into the gaping mouth of the Dora Guard. The guard's eyes widened in shock. He swallowed the missiles, sent out a few of his own, and then he blew up. No sweat, Jason said. Onward to level two, Eve cried out. She drove through the door. Sophia the Third sped through another dark tunnel, then plunged out the other side. The vehicle's engines echoed loudly in its chamber. Instead of dirt and moss, the walls were solid, curved metal. It felt like they were a huge pipe the diameter the size of a football field. Great, Jason said. All that and we end up in a sewer. Clang! Sophia the Third bounced on the shocks. Its roof reverberated from a sudden hit. Roof rocket, Eve shouted. Well, how, how do I shoot them? Jason demanded. Oh, I'll tell you in a minute, Eve replied. Let's get out of... Suddenly, Jason braced himself. Look out for the lava pit, he yelled. Directly in Sophia the Third's path was a bubbling pool of red-hot molten rock. One second of contact and their vehicle would be sizzled to a crisp. Eve's index finger darted towards the emergency jump button. 
Just as the front reels rolled to the edge, Sophia III lifted sharply upwards towards the roof. Jason breathed a sigh of relief. Eve, you're a genius. But Eve's face was turning a pale shade of white. Uh-oh, she murmured, her eyes fixed upwards. I think I may have pressed a little too hard. Jason followed her glance. A forest of gleaming, knife-sharp blades hung from the ceiling. And judging from the vehicle's speed, there was no way they were going to avoid it. Duck! Jason yelled, as if that was going to do any good. With a fierce screak of shredding metal, three long spikes ripped through the roof above Jason and Eve. Game Hint Once you get started, go straight to the ocean. Chapter 13 Jason pulled Eve down to the floor, and the spikes tore deep into the roof, inching towards them with sickening slowness. Jason and Eve sank further, scrunching their bodies into a near-impossible position. Their frightened eyes were like four enormous white globes. The points edged closer. Jason could feel the pores of his skin closing up. Scrock! With a last wrenching noise, the spike stopped. One of the points was inches from Jason's nose. He stared at it, cross-eyed. Eve, he said, whatever you do, don't let me breathe. He grabbed the spike with his hand. Slowly, he angled his body around the point until he was sitting in the passenger seat. Eve did the same, edging her way into the driver's seat. To see her, Jason had to look around three of the spikes. Now what? He asked. Eve examined the ceiling. Severe damage. We must somehow get down and repair this. Well... How about firing some of our weapons? Jason suggested. The, the recoil might shake us off of the ceiling. A creative suggestion, but we must not waste our weapon energy. Like a battery, it can be used up. Okay, then how about a little rock and roll? Jason said. He frowned. There is no radio in Sophia the Third. Jason began shaking forward and backwards in his seat. I mean, this kind of rock and roll. Together they lurched back and forth, and Sophia the Third began to rock. Reek, 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 reek. The serrated edges of the spikes held fast. We're only making the holes bigger, Eve said, looking at the gaps in the roof. That'll help us, Jason replied. He reached for the multi-warhead missile button. There's no other way. I'm going to use some weapon energy. Hang tight. A barrage shot out from the gun turret. Sophia III jerked backwards. With an agonizing scrawk, it pulled loose from the spikes and began hurtling towards the ground. Brilliant, said Eve as she guided the vehicle to a safe landing. Avoiding traps, she maneuvered Sophia the Third onto an empty ledge. 
There, she and Jason got the hammer out of the truck and banged the torn metal back upward into the roof. There were still holes, but they were smaller. Minor damage compared to what would have happened if Sophia III had landed in the lava pit. They sped away at top speed. Here in the second level, there were side rooms too. Jason stopped at these and picked up more weapon power. It was in one of the rooms that Jason met the second mutant underboss. Clang, clang, clang. The sound was familiar. And this time, Jason had more gun power. He braced himself for the flying fireballs, for a hideous mass of protoplasm. Come out, underboss! He shouted bravely, I'm ready for you! Are you sure? Answered the powerful voice of the plutonium boss. The sound jarred Jason. His confidence slipped. But he thought of poor old Fred, who must be suffering a horrible fate he was even still alive. He thought of the innocent world above, where his friends and family were probably just now waking up to a gorgeous day. He thought about the beaches and the trees and the ice cream and the video games and the books and the 10-speed bike. He knew he had to stand his ground against the warped mind that wanted to take all of that away. Sure, I'm sure. He said with a firm control, throw whatever you've got at me, I'm not running away. Laughter exploded around him. Then you're a bigger fool than I thought, roared the plutonium boss. There was a flash of light. Jason shut his eyes, but remained still. When he opened them, his enemy was facing him. He gulped. His grip loosened around his gun. There were no fireballs. There was no mass of protoplasm at all. Instead, it was a crab. A towering, grotesque crab, crouched and ready to jump. The laughter bubbled again. I knew you'd like him, said the plutonium boss. I understand your weakness for obnoxious little animals. <laughs> Jason shaped his eyes around the grotesque, overgrown creature. You can't scare me. He called out. He pelted the crab with laser fire. It reached out to Jason, snapping with its claws. Jason rolled out of the way, springing to the feet and firing again. The crab took the hit, then opened its mouth. For a moment, Jason thought it would scream in pain. But it didn't make a sound. Three spheres, like cannonballs, flew out of his mouth. Jason ducked. One of the spheres hit the wall next to him. It exploded, shards of metal into the air. Jason fell to his stomach. He held his laser gun with both arms extended in front of him. The crab monster swung its claws toward, toward him. Jason took his aim again. Pew, 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 pew. The crab monster exploded. It echoed against the metal walls of the chamber, making the room shake violently. Jason was tossed backwards. Acrid, greenish-yellow smoke billowed up from where the crab had been. Jason leapt to his feet. He felt wretched apart inside. It wasn't because he had tossed about or the smoke or the bruises or any of that. It was because he imagined that somewhere in the plutonium boss's world, Fred might be waiting. 
not the gentle pet Jason missed so much, but a hideous monster like this crab transformed by the boss. Could it be? Where are they keeping you, Fred? Jason's voice was an anguished shout. It echoed emptily into the cavernous room. In the silence that followed, Jason had a terrifying thought. Maybe the plutonium boss didn't know who Fred was. Maybe Fred was just another pest the boss had mutated or killed according to his whims. After what seemed like hours, the plutonium boss answered. His tone was gentle and soft, which somehow made it absolutely bone-chilling. Your Fred is doing very well, the plutonium boss said. Yes, indeed. Very, very well. And now, an open letter to A.L. Singer, author of Blaster Master. Hello, A.L. Singer. While this week's chapters are nowhere near as good as what I read last week, I do like that uh, you're showing hints at an emotional core. I like that Jason isn't too stupid to figure out that his pet frog will likely be one of the underbosses he will need to take out before he goes head-to-head with the plutonium boss. I like where you're taking this. I can't wait to see how you uh, undermine your own plot and ultimately make me hate this book. I know you're not going to disappoint. Reading through these chapters, I was left with a few questions. Usually I wouldn't bring this up halfway through the book, but I have a hunch you aren't going to address any of these in this big conclusion you have coming up. So, I'm just going to throw a few of these out here and see if somebody can figure out what feels like some inconsistencies. For example, uh, how exactly would the plutonium boss talk to Jason? Uh, did he build a elaborate speaker system underground? That wouldn't make much sense, given that he's just trying to mine nuclear materials and stuff. I mean, why would he build all that? And while we're at it, why is this stuff underneath Jason City? Isn't there a better place to store this stuff? And why is it that both Eve and the Plutonium boss are able to speak perfect English? Uh, if the if the tables were turned and, and Jason was on another planet, do you think the stupid American would know how to speak their language? Was the trip so long that they were able to power through Rosetta Stone? If all they're trying to do is collect this material underground and kill Eve, then what, what do they need to know English for? That makes no sense. Also, wouldn't shooting a multi-warhead underground be so loud that the people on the surface would notice? How, how big are these caves anyways? You would think that a missile going off uh, would cause some sort of earthquake or something. I don't know. It, it just seems logical with all of that fa- uh, firepower. Are they even a little afraid of causing something so huge that that the entirety of of Jason City falls underground? I'm pretty sure I saw that very thing happen in that recent Alone in the Dark game. And as I know, I know I've said this before, but where is all the molten lava coming from? Is there an active volcano underneath New York that I don't know about? If that's the case, then the Northeast really has more to worry about than the plutonium boss. 
I also noticed that there's a lot of things Jason is fighting to protect. Now, when he clenches his fists and gets all angry, he thinks about video games and books and his folks and all of that. Well, I think he may have forgotten a few things. This is just a list I came up with just off the top of my head. Uh, he should be thinking about movies and music, friends, warm weather, swimming pools, roller coasters, fun, funny things on, on YouTube, chairs, cell phones, love, and, well... When it comes right down to it, he should be doing this to get a shot at uh, getting into Eve's pants. I'm just saying, I, I seriously hope that this is the direction you plan on taking this, Mr. Singer. We'll see next week if Eve takes off her clothes and turns Jason into a man. Until then, I'm Cyril Lachelle. <laughs>